This week's episode of Walleye Talk is brought to you by Secret Lake Tackle, made right here in Zimmerman, Minnesota. What's up, Dan? Hey! You s- have you been outside lately? Dude. Yeah. April snow brings May flowers. <laughs> yeah. But we are super lucky. For sure. With all the rain we had this week, if it was 20 degrees, mm-hmm. we would have legit... 40 inches Then we would have something to complain about. Yeah. This will be gone tomorrow. Right. And it's all just in our head. There's not... Like, it's 40 degrees today. Yeah. It's a normal April day. It mm-hmm. just happens to be 40 degrees and white. <laughs> it cleaned things up a lot, though. Ah, man. I feel like even my eyes were pissed about it. They're, like, <laughs> sick of the glare. Like, what? <laughs> no. We want green. If we look down, we get green. You know what's going to be nice, though, if this kind of cooler weather continues, is when we're on the water, fishing walleyes, we're going to be able to witness the world around us get green from the water. Yeah. Yep. That's, that's one thing that we, we're, we get to see it in the spring, <laughs> yeah. and we get to see it in the fall. And that's super cool. Yeah, you and I have talked about, there's a real cool view when you're running the east side of Bear Island, when the little window of time when only the aspens are turning green, you know, they're, mm-hmm. they're just budding out or just leafing out and like brown, brown, brown. And then like on the horizon, there's Neon. just like a band of, of aspens, which super cool. Mm-hmm. And that, fl- that time flies by. So you're right. It lasts like four days. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. And the, the green in the spring is like super vibrant too. Mm-hmm. Like it's a different green than you get in the, the midsummer. Right. Makes me feel real optimistic. Looking at my lilac bush, it's got some green on it. Plants are probably pissed. Is that off between the white or? <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is while I talk. I'm Dan. I'm Will. Uh, this week's episode, we're gonna spend the majority of the time um, talking all things spring jigging, mm-hmm. jigging a minnow, jigging a plastic, and that's it. And the million different ways you can do it. Dan's got a lot more experience in this than I do. Jigging? <laughs> I'm no expert at all, but uh, I'll, I'll give it a shot. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll talk through spring jigging and how our opinions have changed over, like, even since we started the podcast, some cringy moments when you go back and listen to the beginning. Oof, but, man, I think you better feel that way, right? You better feel strongly, you better feel confident in what you're doing at the time, and then you better be willing to, like, change everything you do. Uh, in the future, right, and hope you know. Hopefully, in four years, we'll say the same thing about this episode. I sure hope so, right? Because that there's no way we would be worse, right? Right? Like we're all of the. If you're making the decisions for the right reasons, then you're making them because you're catching more fish doing different stuff. Bingo. So feel great about where we're at now. Hope we're saying we're, we were a bunch of idiots in 2021, because <laughs> <laughs> that just means we're better fishermen, right? Right. So yeah, all things jigging. Um, that's about it. Well, I'm sure that we've we'll got pepper a couple, in some stuff. and We've got a quirky little segment later. Yeah, which um, is still jigging. It's still jigging. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that's going to be fun. Let us know if you like it or not. Yep. Uh, we'll take a break and hear from Portadoc. Having fun in the sun on the lake all day long. Porta-doc.com. Porta-doc.com. Find your local Portadoc dealer today. Porta-doc.com. <laughs> edited portion of the show someday we'll really save good. all that and we'll do like a paid subscription and you have to sign a contract that you can't tell anybody especially our wives about what we say 
I saved that one all week. I'm sorry. That's okay. I knew it was going to get cut. <laughs> but it was worth it. This one I remembered to cut, too. i got to do it right now. I can't leave it for later. That's why I did it in the beginning segment. Um, yeah, we talked about the snow up here. I don't think the snow got to the whole state, but we've had snow on the ground for 36 hours now. And we've had open water since last episode or before it. So, um, have you seen, have you heard from anybody fishing locally? No, there was a guy on Saturday who, between the rain, went and fished perch. Sure. Oh, and he did real well. Nice. And, you know, five to seven feet of water. Calmer. Yeah, the weekend was not bad. No, not at all. Yeah. But ever since then, it's been raining. So, or... Or snowing. And or snowing. Mm-hmm. So there hasn't been a lot of traffic yep. whatsoever. I haven't seen a dock in yet. Do you know if... Usually the... And I thought about, like, the the DNR folks. That's not the fisheries guys who are in charge of the docks. You know, I think it's Parks and Trails that do that. Okay. Um, I thought a lot of that was hired out. Well, it certainly might be. But it's not that department that manages oh. it. Okay. I don't even know. I've never even seen a crew putting putting a dock in. But they're mo- they're mainly doing it, I think, for the, because the dock and lift companies are, they're the ones already out. That, that they're mm-hmm. chomping at the bit, and their their livelihood depends on it. You know, it's not folks just trying to go out and catch a few fish. So. Right. So I think they try to get them out as early as possible for, for those folks. At least yep. that's that makes sense in my head. For sure. Not that those dudes need it. Need it. They're yeah. in waders and they're gonna be in the water anyway. But I'm sure, they appreciate having a dock as for sure. soon as they can. So. Still something to think of about if you're going to try to fish. Don't I wouldn't depend on having a dock out where you're, wherever you're going to go. Right. Um, yeah, that's about all I know that's new. And turkey ago. season opened up today. Yeah. On a nice snowy, wet <laughs> morning, but there's a you know a handful of people out there doing it. So more power to them. Right. I think our main man George was out there. Oh really? I think he so. Went with the A season. Hmm. Mm. The interesting thing that the big shift with the turkey season over the last, was it two years ago? Last year. Last year was the first year. You can buy them over the counter. And you, for so you, any season. For any season. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to plan in February which week you're going to, or January actually, right. I think it's w- which week you want to hunt. Which. Up you, here can either mean a bunch of white stuff mm-hmm. or 70 degrees. Right. And preferably turkeys, I mean, you want to hunt turkeys in the 70s. I would agree. Yeah. Not in the snow. Nope. I shot mine on a real cold morning, but there was no snow around last year. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's. It just makes life a lot easier. Yeah. All right. How do you want to tackle this, this whole jigging thing? Well, the tackle is specifically jigs. <laughs> um, so I think we've got that covered. Sure. Um, Let's start with some mistakes then. If you were, if we were going to have this conversation, our first season of, of the show, what has changed for you? My mindset was really focused on the last hour of light all of the time. Mm-hmm. So I would throw the shit hook all the time, and I do that only on rare occasions now. When the water is very cold, I do it. But it won't be a factor this season, I can't imagine. Mm. Um, because we're de- going to be dealing with warmer water, more active fish. And that was something that, you know, at the time, with the technology I had, I think was an okay decision. I mean, I certainly was successful at the time doing it. But you learn there's better ways. Yeah. So, 
I do it a lot less now, only on special occasions do I do I want to do that. So Yeah. And that, that whole approach, a shit hook is an anchor, just in case anybody's confused. Oh, that's what I meant to say. And uh you're you're trying to get like all of your bites in a forty minute window. Correct. With the approach you used to be very good at. They're coming. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like you're ice fishing, right? Like you're you're sort of stationary, uh and you're waiting for a bite window, like when these fish are going to be cooperative. Where a high amount of, a high density of fish is going to be moving in on us, you know, where, where the bait fish are going to be. Where they're going to push the bait fish. Right. So. And what, why have you shifted away from it? Because you have 40 minutes to do it. So I would plan a whole four hour trip around. Mm-hmm. Okay, we can go drift this aimlessly. And then, but we're going to catch them here at the end, so don't worry. Right. Uh, now I try to get most of the box full before I have to even worry about that. Sure. Um, focusing, shifting focus more to daytime fish, which is a little more challenging, but it's really not that hard. You know, once you start getting the hang of it, once you start, there's some little nuances to it. And once you get that figured out, it can be quite, quite good. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's. Important. I guess fo- focusing more on the daytime stuff than the forty last 40 minutes, banking on that. Right. That's what it is. Yeah, and I'm sure your customers are far more appreciative of that. You know, like, they want to be catching fish the whole time, you know? Right. Even if it's not gangbusters, like, it could be in that last 40-minute window. It's a great nightcap. It's not like you're going to pass it up if it's there. Right, it's going to be there. It's nice to, like, have a real fun three hours and 20 minutes that, like, lead up to that. Right. For sure. How about you, Dan? Oh, I remember we used to be pretty stuck about how like a quarter ounce jig is, is good to go for for whatever. Everything. Yeah, and I, wrong about that, I'm man. not that I'm not that way <laughs> anymore. I don't even I rarely even put a th- quarter on any. Yeah, unless I'm vertically jigging, I'm not usually tying on a, a quarter ounce. So that'd be one thing. And we you know we caught fish, so like what does it matter? I think it does probably, but it's not like the difference between like catching fish and not catching fish. It's maybe the difference between, like, 7 and 10 fish off of a spot, right? And why not try to catch 10? And if it's just about having the right size jig on, that's a real simple thing to make sure you're doing. I think we've also changed a little bit where we are now fishing more friendly bottoms. Yeah. So. Yeah, but the springtime thing is, like, when we fish the... At least for me, that's when I fish the snaggy stuff the I most, I guess. I suppose. And I think it has a little bit more to do with like having lots of confidence in knowing there's fish in this real shallow snaggy mm-hmm. stuff. And so, you know, it, I, I, knowing they're in there, like what's going wrong, it, it may be just the amount of time that my bait is biteable and, not, and I'm not retying. Right. So that would be part of it and like I yeah little tweaks to to the I remember like I I noticed that uh bending out the shank on an eighth ounce made a big difference Mm -hmm. a couple years ago like on the Northland um what are they called gumball jigs the RZ jigs RZ jigs like because on a shiner they you know sometimes that it's buried it's pretty buried you know it's barely poking out and bending it out just a little bit is made a big difference and so like little details like that and then i do fish a, a braid rod last fall i fished a braid rod with a jig fair amount and i do think that most jig setups are fishing pretty 
much the same until I get to a 16th ounce jig. And there's like that, there's like a line there for me where if I'm fishing a 16th ounce jig, I'm doing, it's like a different approach for me. For sure. It's like I'm trying to, what I really want to be doing is Lindy rigging, but I want to be casting a Lindy rig and keeping like, it up. And keeping it up a little bit. And you can't do that if you're, if you, you can't do that in certain situations, especially like pitching at rocks, right? Like, right. we're not going to do that. And the closest I can get to it is a little jig. A little jig. And then I, so that's like a, I put that in like a different category than what I'm doing with everything else. For sure. And those are two totally different techniques. Right. In t- I mean, they're because you're fishing. They're just two entirely different techniques. Yeah. Yep. But I mean, it's all jigging. It's all spring right. jigging. Right. Um, and yeah, we, we definitely fished more sand last spring. And I imagine that's going to be the case. I do kind of miss the rocks a bit and hope that that's more of this spring. But I also think my tolerance for like forcing that issue is going to be less and less. Right. For sure. When you add the fact that you can't see in there very well. Um, yeah. Yeah, the days of blind drifting are almost over. Yeah. There's a couple situations where I'll still do it, but for the most part, it's it's pretty well done. Right. I do think, though, that, like, we talked a little bit last week about, um, like, how, like, imaging makes us maybe pitch more than we, mm-hmm. like, you specifically said you, you think you're going to pitch more. Mm-hmm. And from a guide's perspective or from like a captain's perspective, which I think most of the people who listen to this show are driving, driving and they might be fishing with them and a buddy or that them by themselves. And then they have like the versatility to, to do that. But from a guide's perspective, like the beauty of a drift is how much control the captain has over all of the baits in the water. Right. Whereas if you're going to pitch, you're leaving a lot up to the individual anglers which can be good and fun and like that can be great. Right. But if you're trying to set everybody up for success, uh, you get more control over the success by drifting. Right. And I, I can see like a situation where you're going to have a bunch of snags where that's going to be a real big factor. But in, like if you take the situation last fall that we fished a lot, uh, I think you could set that up where you're going into the wind and you're pitching side to side. Uh, and those, whomever you're fishing with could pretty well just reel it in and those fish are going to bite. Sure. Ideally, you're absolutely right. And like, I think pitching a jig is, it gives the individual angler a lot more like feeling that they have control over their success. Right. Even if the fish are suicidal, like, they, like <laughs> well, that, that was a good cast. Well, there's 80 of them out there, so <laughs> you're right, but you, you couldn't really miss. Whereas, uh. Sometimes it's not about that, right? Like, maybe you do... There, there are situations where you don't want to leave a lot up to... Where you got to float them. You got to float them. Yep. Yep. I don't mind it. I like it. Makes me feel like an old-timer. I hope I never get away from just drifting boats. And there's drifting. one spot in particular where I think you have got uh, a very big upper... Nobody drifts that like you drift that. Mm. And I there's a perfect wind for it right now. It's blown out of the northwest pounding in there mm-hmm. and you would just smoke them today i'd catch like that 10 nice. you'd catch like 22 that sounds nobody nice. drifts it like damn right I drifts that one. <laughs> not even bobby landerville drifts that oh one boy like you do. 
Thank God he doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> He'd be over here lights and sirens. <laughs> Heard you boys talking shit. <laughs> Good luck getting up the driveway, Bobby. <laughs> Any other like big big flaws? Um I got one more, but I, I want I want to see if you maybe arrive at you hint you said it last year. Actually it's your big boat project. What is it? Your big boat project, like a big reason you're putting that 360 on is you don't want to be bumping. Oh, I don't want to run over fish. Yeah. Man, I think I how many we did. Think how many fish we were running. Thousands. Over. All the time. All of the time. And I think that's going to, that's part of the reason why I think I'm going to be pitching a lot more is because I'm going to be able to see these fish Well, as I'm going to them. Sure. And that's the ideal situation. Sure. Not saying that's going to happen, but in my head it's going to. It's hard. It's hard. I still do it every once in a while. It bugs me. It's like a, and a lot of it has to do with lakes that aren't mapped real well. Do you think that you do it a lot on Leech, or do you do it more on other lakes? Other lakes, Leech is mapped real like so. Just to like lay out what I'm saying, most of the time I'll try to run a break line. It's a little bit harder on a flat or something, right? Mm-hmm. Which you're dealing with on the north end. So mm-hmm. you're right that that tool might be a little bit more applicable, but. In general, I try to run my boat in a depth where I don't feel like I would bump fish if I did happen to run over them, and then I'm looking shallower with my imaging. Right. Um, so I don't, and if it's mapped well, you just run your brake line, and if you're paying attention to your brake line, you're not going to bump fish. You might run over a pot of fish in 14 to 16 Which feet of water. Which isn't going to bump them. It's not gonna, hopefully it's not going to bump them. Uh, certainly less likely to, and then you still still find them, even though you're hoping you find them up shallow. Right. But the big flats, you're right, like, you just don't, you want to know until you stumble into them. Your early fall area, I think that's going to be extremely important, where you caught them, like, in September of last year, sure. up in the sand. Sure. I think those fish are easily susceptible to being ran over, and there's, I think there's great potential to increase catches substantially in that. Sure. Yeah. The problem with that one is, like, you're really up there by yourself. You know, like, you get an hour by yourself maybe right. in the morning. Um, and then the rest of the world wakes up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, being, a, being aware of what your boat does to to fish, and that's only going to be a bigger deal as the water gets clearer on mm-hmm. likely all, uh, all of our lakes. Right. In only due time. It's going to be a bigger deal. In due time. Should we so, take your... Oh, go ahead. So, I was just going to say, so do we change topics or do we take a break? I think we take a break. Maybe we'll do a couple breaks during okay. the jigging. We've just re- received some exciting news from Woman Lake Lodge. They're opening up May 14th with their store be going to be open and donuts going to be ready for us to enjoy. They also have new hats and clothing all available in store and also on their website. Stop on in Woman Lake Lodge today. So Wilbur, say you're going fishing May 22nd and the wind is blowing 12 miles an hour. You got a half day on Leech Lake. Doesn't matter what direction. It's it's not blowing out of the east. You can choose any other direction. I don't I don't mind an east wind. I like an east wind. Stupid people. So like with an east wind I will be either one of two places. I'll either be on Pelican Island, or I would be up north fishing some of the some of the break lines up there. 
I really have had really good luck on an east wind. Yeah, I agree. But um, anyway, I, I was just trying to set the okay set the table Continue. for like what's the basic jigging setup you're gonna generally go go with on a normal day on Leech Lake in the spring. Well, let's stick with that Pelican Island because that's a uh, that's picture picturesque. It's one of the best areas we've. I mean, we've spent a lot of Lots time. Lots of fish live around that island, all, all parts of the island. Right. So, I'm going to look for, A, on a, on a strong wind like that, they generally will either stack up, A, on that, specifically on that break line, or B, on the flat to follow. So, um, I'm going to work, especially that first drift, it's going to be a little too rough to drive an image, um, especially out on leech. So I like those days. Oh my god, can't Just, wait for those days. <laughs> um, so we're gonna set up, and you know I've got a few waypoints here and there, but really, especially on Pelican, you're trying to avoid the rocks, right? You want to be near, like real close to the rocks, but you want to be not so much in the rocks where you're gonna lose a jig every thirty-five seconds. Mm-hmm. So there's little sand seams, and you're hoping you hit one. So we start out. <laughs> Uh, we're going to be in like 14 feet of water, drifting into the shallow water. And it's going to be kind of a straight drift. I'll use the big motor or the trolling motor to kind of pull us in, push us out. But all of our lines are going to be, we're going to be facing the wind, pitching, pitching out right away, letting out lots of line. A big thing for me is I like a lot of line out. Um, and so when you're snapping those jigs, um, it seems like the longer the angle is, the more time that jig is in fishy water or in fish biting area. So if you pop them vertically in a wind like that, you pop them too high up, I feel, and they just don't necessarily like that. They like a bouncing, skipping bottom many times. You're better off going with smaller jig strokes many times than bigger jig strokes less times so um so we're going to be drifting hopefully with 12 mile an hour when you should be drifting about 0. 0.7 0. 0.9 somewhere in there i like to you know i'm not afraid to go over a mile an hour but i really like that 0. 0.7 0. 0.9 it seems like you can get a good cadence and it's still in that wheelhouse where fish are going to eat it um so with that um I guess I should come up talking about my gear a little yeah, bit. Yeah, the right? gear thing is yeah rather important. Yeah, and it's changed too. Like, you know, we're we're experimenting every once in a while, but we also have our like, what's gonna hit the water if we had to guess on on that day. Well, certainly, like your answer is gonna be different than mine. I am still full fledged. Like, let's get a quarter ounce around there as many times as possible. Um, quarter ounce jig. I'll be using probably a fire tiger. Somebody else will be using a parrot. Somebody else will be using a parrot. And then somebody else will be using like a blue and white. Um, those are staple colors in my box. I've got like maybe two other colors that I use a lot of. But those are my staples and sure. generally what I start with. Uh, matters less so when it's fishing is good. For sure. Um, quarter ounce jigs. Going to have a minnow on most of them anyway. Um, yeah, uh, for, for this situation, I'll have been on. Um, and we're going to be jigging. The important thing to remember, too, is I want to be jigging straight up and down in that situation. I don't want to be, like, sidearm. 
I want to be popping that jig up and down because with that longer angle, popping it up is still going to get it up off of the bottom, which is important. In a sidearm action, you're lowering that angle too much and you're just going to end up drudging it through the sand. And you don't want to do that. You want to pop it up a little bit right. and that'll continue to give you that good action. Um, where am I, what am I missing here, Dan? So drifting in... In, in like your most of your jig and rods still have monofilament on them. Oh yeah, correct. Uh, actually, I've got copolymer, which is another form of monofilament. It's uh, I, I use gamma six pound in the in the spring. It's tough. It's full of memory, but I'm over that now. <laughs> um, all the good line is going to have memory, and the reason I like that copolymer is. It's, it's easy to use. It's easy to tie, especially when your hands are cold. It's windy. You could tie it in 10 seconds where you don't have to, and you can bite it off if you need to. Um, and one thing that's overlooked in fishing rocks is the ability to break it off with ease. Sure. So like if you're using a straight braid rod or a braid to a fluorocarbon leader, a lot of times your fluorocarbon leader knot, if you've only got six, eight foot, will break. And you're, then you're, you're stuck. line to line knot. Yes, yeah. you're line to line knot. Now you have two, two knots to tie, and one of them's kind of a pain in the butt if your hands are cold and the weather's and it's not windy. Great. Right, right. So a line to line knot is a great knot to tie in a garage when you have a beer in your hand and plenty of time to tie it. Right. Like I, I get a lot of satisfaction out of it in that setting, but in like a fish catching moment, I am not happy to be tying that knot. Um, I've actually been so inclined to put the rod away. Right. Tie it, just tie something on fast, you know, do a polymer knot or something and put it away. Sure. Give a mono knot out. Um, but that's a, that's a big thing too. It's, um, that's a great point. Uh, and especially for, for our profession, like you're dealing with, you know, maybe you're staring down the last hour of a trip and you're finally on a pile of fish and like, this is not the time to waste time tying knots. Right. I need that third route out. I need that fourth right. route out. Yep. as much as possible yeah so and i think i've been thinking just this is somewhat related like a guide day for both of us because we care about our jobs quite a bit and we care about it's you know our egos wrapped up in a little in it a little yeah. bit it's like every day we're fishing a mini tournament right for sure. with like like that's the attitude we approach yeah we're not we're not trying to win 15 grand but like this matters a lot to us and there's time constraints in like that's the attitude I approach. The pressure is day. on. Yeah, and it's not the same level, but like that's the same, the Thought same process. Yeah, right. Where you don't want to waste time with stuff like that. So I, I think that's a valid point about when another reason maybe mono is the right in some the right call in some circumstances. Um, and you know me being uh, competitive about every little thing in life. Right. I don't want to lose because I took too long tying knot. And this is a good solution for me, you know, with especially with this copolymer dealing with memory. Um, it's something that can be remedied in the garage for weeks at a time. Right? So I've got a mess on one of my reels, I strip it off, I put new stuff on. Now I'm good for, you know, a short period of time, but longer than that moment. Sure. Right? So that's another reason to, uh, I prefer it. 
Yeah. We've talked about the memory deal in the longer... Like, last year, I dealt with less issues than ever before. And more of it is about recognizing that, like, what's actually causing your... And it, you know, memory isn't really even a fair, like, twist is twist. what's happening. Mm-hmm. And so keeping track of... So for us, like, having a customer who maybe is burning against their drag on, like, a snag or on a fish, they're just like... That's a very good point. And keeping in mind, like, you know, like, you can maybe make them... Um, you can mention it to them, but you know, if it's a 10 year old kid or something like it's going to happen for sure. Like noting like, okay, that reel needs maintenance. Like as soon as this trip is done, I'm going to cut that jig off and, and clean that reel out. Yep. And doing that regularly, like keeping, keeping in mind exactly which ones are having issues and maintaining it right away. I dealt with far less issues overall over the, the season because of that. And I only replaced my line once last year. That's Usually I did it. Usually I'd do it in, like, right around the 4th of or opener, before the season, 4th of July, and then in the fall again. And I only did it 4th of July. Really? Yep. That's pretty good. And I didn't That's have any really issues good. with it. Just keeping up on it. Right. And I guess, like, the main takeaway from that is, like, it's often our behavior that's leading to the issues and not just, you know... It's something you have a little bit of control over, I guess. Back in my younger days, uh, like shiners are extremely susceptible to this, where if they are foul hooked or you know where you know if you're jigging a shiner and it's hooked back a little bit further, and those start to fade to one side or the other, that jig will when you're winding it in will spin like a son of a gun, spin like a top. Right. And I've gotten into the habit where now I'm just changing those minnows instantly instead of, okay, let's just let it go Good for time. Good for one more cast, yeah. Yeah. That, that mentality has kind of went away, especially if I've got the minnows there, why wouldn't I? So I change the minnows regularly, um, and that, has, that helped me substantially. Sure. So, and I mean, I wouldn't let it go too terribly long, but it doesn't take too terribly long to twist the hell out of your line. Yeah. By doing that. Sure. So your your main setups are still mono and. Yep, I'm using. So it seems like when I'm drifting, I'll use more medium light rods, and I don't. I think that maybe because of the fact that I'm I'm constantly moving, and. But I've switched more so to medium rods while I'm pitching um, because I, I almost think I have a harder time catching up, right? So if I get that bite and I'm up at the top of my jig stroke, I have a harder time coming down and really laying the hammer to it. And I don't know if that's there's something to that, but I'll keep working on it. Sure. I'll come up with a better synopsis. Yeah, I, I'll say that like I have watched your, like, your, your, your jigging... Your overall jigging deal is changing. And, like, your success rate, I think, is probably about the same as I've always witnessed, you know. Not that I see every every hook set you have, but I feel like it is, like, changing. And you mentioned that it's, like, shortening. Shortening, your, for sure. Your hook set is shortening. Um, but it's interesting that you're, it's changing. I used to have, like, the wildest hook set. Yeah. And it got... I, it, it was never a problem, but it, it... Well, what did make you change, though? Like, I feel like you, you wouldn't have changed if it hadn't been, like... Probably my neg- weight. Negative. 
I got fatter. <laughs> so I couldn't move as far. No, I can't. I feel like I can't move. Like, honestly, my shoulder, like, I can't move all the way across like I used to be able to or all the way up and above like I used to. So, especially if I get cold or if I'm tired or whatever, I had more, I had more errors because of that, right? So, I, I went, I moved to heavier rods and shorter hook sets just maybe so I can be a little more lazy. Sure. Well less energy for the same result it's not like a bad approach to any problem really but i think you can move i don't know you can get away with a little more using a medium light but for sure i but i think i don't i don't imagine you're getting spit a lot either no you you specifically i don't know about the anglers who join you but like with a medium light uh you can watch it all happen mm mm-hmm And maybe maybe you've stuck with the quarter round or with the medium light rods more so because you've switched to a smaller jig. Yeah, I don't know. <clears throat> so like the one thing and I th- I made a guess at what you do, but like the situation you laid out where you're always fishing a quarter ounce but you want that bait um like not digging into the mud, you're digging in all the time. So I think what and I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think even if you're drifting, that you're maybe recasting more often than I am. Oh yeah, certainly. Because you're having, you're actually like retrieving your jig, and whereas what I'm seeking is to have my jig like, or have our jigs where we want them, for the entire time. For and sure. so you're only recasting if you feel something is like off with your, your rig. Yep. Which I think is an important thing to point out. Because you would not be okay dragging a quarter ouncer, which you said you have a lot of line out. Yep. At, you know, depending on the wind, dragging it out there the whole time without having to recast. Like, you would be just dragging it on the bottom. For sure. So, like, I think we're both moving towards, like, having lots of line out. But, like, what I'm seeking is having the right jig on so that the lots of line equals, like, the right arrangement with the bottom, or right relationship with the bottom, so that they can stay out there without having to, like, have people. And that's a hard thing to teach people. For sure. To bouncing, to be drifting, but also bouncing it back towards the boat, knowing when you need to recast. And the assumption of bottom, it sounds like a super easy... um, that's what I do is I, when I let out a bunch of line, it's not because I want to, oh, I want to f- keep that line tight and feel that bottom contact. It's the assumption of bottom, right? That's, a great, that's a great way to put it, assumption right, of bottom. I assume that having a shit pile of line out is going to get me on bottom, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? That's the idea of it. Right. But it's a hard thing to do when you're in a boat and you're teaching people who've never drift fished in high winds. Uh, so my solution to that is... Let out more line. Right. Because I don't want to go any heavier than a quarter ever. So, yeah. Uh, I own like 12 3 8 ounce jigs for, the, for rainy the river. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> um, that's one thing that that is, that's part of the reason why I keep that quarter ounce jig because if they are winding in every time their line goes slack, instead of waiting for the wind to catch up to them, they're going to be on bottom. Right? Sure. And the reason it would follow is because of A, the middle is messed up or two 
the, the eighths <laughs> ran into some paragraphs or something. So uh, you had to work real hard at that funny joke. But it worked. It worked well, for sure. Thank but that's you. just because like your humor and mine line up real well. <laughs> hmm. Well, I've done the A B thing too much, so I had to change it up a little bit. <laughs> you see how I solved that piece of a puzzle? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know. If, that was a lot of aimless talking right there. I, yeah, but sometimes that's the best stuff. I don't know if there's anything usable there, but maybe. Oh, oh for sure. I Yeah. But Dan, what would you do on a nine mile an hour west wind and you had to fish Leech Lake on June the 6th? Oh, man. It's so cool, though. Okay, it's cool. You, Minnows are just you're, you're making it so I'm jigging, though, right? To you're like certain, you, you're forced line. to jig. This is a clearly a jigging situation towards maybe a little bit later in the season. Okay. Well, I'm still there, but I'm not going to name my spot because I don't really know what it would be. Not not actually a big fan of a west wind in the spring. Um, but. Oh, yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. Okay, go ahead. I feel like you're like it can be great, but if it's not great, then what are you the doing? The two spots that would be great on. Right. And if they're not going, what are you doing? Okay, stop. I'm going to redo this. It's May 26th. It's a northwest wind at 14. Well, then it doesn't matter. I can catch them anywhere. That's a true story. <laughs> that is a true story, too. There's one place I want you to catch them. So go there and catch them. So the only thing, I'm going to sort of build off of what you said. Like, drift fishing would be my first approach. With a 14-mile-an-hour wind out of the west or northwest, that's all you're probably going to do to at least to get your bearings on the east side. That's how you're going to start. Yeah. And, like, we've talked a lot about how, like, maybe you can narrow it down. Like, okay, there's for sure a pocket of fish holding in these rocks right here. I'm going to try to get us, like, a good little window where I can have you guys pitching slightly downwind. But, like, that would be after we've established, like, where a bunch of fish are. So the only things I would add to what you were saying is that, like, you, I would agree that 0.7 to 0.9 is probably where I want to be. Um, and then how I would try to, like, guarantee that that's where I'm going to be is instead of just doing a dead, dead drift, like, not even related to where I think the fish are. Like, you would use your trolling motor to, to try to be where the fish are, obviously, but I would use my trolling motor to try to like kill my speed and slightly change my drift. Like I, the point I'm trying to make is that the the slight slight change in the drift is necessary to attain the the speed I want to go. Right. 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 So, so you're like, gonna back up or go forward to change the yeah, speed. Yeah. And like in the sp- what we're talking about for me is I'm gonna have my vantage down. And I'm going to be killing the drift a little bit to keep me under a mile an hour. And so then, killing it being you're going to point that vantage so the so it's pointing towards the like towards the wind. Towards the wind, right? Yep. Yeah, and and that's going to inevitably change my drift. So mm-hmm. like then I have to adjust my like then that's the adjustment I make. Like I know the spots I want to hit. The line I want now has to not line up directly with the wind direction it has to line up with the wind direction minus my offset right. from my from my vantage and then i'm going to stay at 0.7.9 point 
even if it's 25 miles an hour. To- yeah. Yeah, I understand. Even with a greater wind. Even with a greater wind, I'll stay at the desired speed. Tying more jigs, certainly, because you're not always staying at the desired speed. Dude, sometimes the sand in there can be so good, though. Yeah. Um, and then yeah maybe narrowing it down in pitching that would be great um i'm more often than not if there's like a hint of like maybe a sweet spot then i'm gonna do that before i leave i might do it when i leave but sometimes drifting is just like the best right yeah i've been caught a number of times where i'm like okay every time we get to this area this is where we get bit like our lines are usually up here, so I'll go up there and pitch that, and nothing. And as soon as I get back to drifting, yeah. it's game, there's just game something on. magic about about it. It's like that's the natural of order th- of things. Like don't don't always try to mess with the natural right. order of things. And then I always have my customers jigging monofilament. Um, I use trilene sensation, which I think is a copolymer as well, which I think just means it has a coating on it. Like there's yep. there's two substances that like make up the the mono. Which is just one filament. On gamma, it says it's molecular, molec, molec, molecular, molecularly changed. Oh wow! Pretty nice. Science, dude. Crazy. <laughs> Some crazy crap right there, man. And then yeah, we're. Uh, I'm trying, trying to find the right. More often than not, if if we're drifting, it would be a three sixteenths for me. Um, and then depending on if it if it's on if it is nine or if if it's dropping maybe I would fish an eighth. Often I'll do a little bit heavier, a sixteenth of an ounce heavier for my customers, and I'll fish the eighth. And then if that is somehow making a difference, or like you can fish a spot and like know that a three sixteenths is getting is gonna get stuck, yep. but not always some. You know, sometimes you're fishing. But you spot. want it to get stuck occasionally. Mm-hmm. That is super important. Sure. You never want to be in a rock situation and never get snagged. Correct. Yep. I And I usually tell my folks right up front, like, hey, if we're not breaking off here, like, I put us here with the full understanding that I'm going to be tying jigs here. So, like, what I don't want to have happen is I don't want you hanging that jig, like, seven feet down mm-hmm. right off the side of the boat because you don't want me to tie a jig on. Like, I appreciate the attitude, but I really want you to be catching fish, which means I'm going to tie jigs. I made that decision by pulling us up here on battle point. We're going to tie some jigs. We're going to lose some lead. (laughs) I always say, lead's cheap. I'm not. (laughs) So let's lose some jigs here. Yeah. But you do, like, need to ride the fine line where it's like, okay, that drift, we lost five jigs. This is not an efficient use of our time. I'll move us if it's no good. Right. 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 That's not on anybody else. I'll get us out of here. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, maybe running an eighth of or a sixteenth of an ounce lighter and seeing if that'll work. And there's all sorts of reasons that lighter or heavier could be working. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't be afraid to move it around. I would not have even if they're in, even if they're in four feet of water. If the wind is blowing, I wouldn't be fishing the sixteenth ounce jig just to revisit the point we just made. That mm-hmm. that's like a different thing. You're not hopping that thing. You're not, you're, you're swimming. You're not floating it. You're not trying to float it over the rocks. Right. You need to be banging into garbage. Right. You just don't want to get super stuck in the garbage yeah. all the time. Yeah. I, I like one real fun part about this 
like the podcast and guiding is trying to figure out how to explain things that you can't you never get to see how your jigs are getting stuck right like you just know that like this behavior tends to lead to jigs getting stuck so what can i say to these folks and to myself to keep my jigs from always getting stuck but also getting stuck just enough to mean that we're, ca- we're catching fish. That's a challenging thing to do. And, uh, yeah, I think you and I have fed off of each other a lot as far as, like, the little pointers we can give people to make a big difference about having their bait where it needs to be. Another thing that'll help you if you're in rocks is to make sure that you're bouncing that jig. Make sure you're popping it. Like, make sure you're, as soon as it touches bottom, pop it back up. Mm-hmm. You know, short little strokes because those constant little hops... It's less, gonna, less time that it... It's less bottom contact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Super simple concept. Right. Until you get fishing. Yeah. And people great. get stuck into the same old... Oh, yep. Oh, yeah. Let's let it drag a second. Yeah. People get stuck into that. Right. And like, that's what leads you, to lots and lots of lead being lost. It's a great point. You need some contact, but you don't want to be dragging jigs. Like we talked about on the Rainy River, we were just dragging jigs, not moving our rod tips a lot. That's not what you want to be doing in the rocks. And the best example for me that sticks out is that I always want my rod to be in the water, but Mm -hmm. like there are spots like Ginzers or Battle where if I have to net a fish or if I have to do something, I can't do it. I can't just leave it sit in the corner Mm -hmm. because I'm for sure going to be losing a jig. How many rods have been lost because of something like that? I've caught, I've caught like two or three rods off Battle. (laughs) (laughs) One of them was a super nice one, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not there a ton. Right. I don't fish it every day, but right. I fish it, you know, quite a bit in the fall. Caught a couple rods. Caught three of them. <laughs> I didn't know you caught three. You caught three. I caught one like a little, like a Abu Garcia, like a short one. Mm-hmm. And then I caught that Elite Tech. And then I've caught like a, like a button one. Mm-hmm. So don't know if it was just really rough and it balanced out. I can't imagine that's the case. Yeah. Just got stuck in the rounds. <laughs> So, something to keep in mind. Right. I think we got to take another break. We'll wrap the. I mean, we could do this. We could do this for for sure another forty five minutes. Why don't we maybe come up with an idea for a one hundred and one segment? Sure. For future right. concept. That's a good idea. Like a jigging one hundred and one. I wonder who'd be interested in that. <laughs> Carl. <laughs> Phil. <laughs> This episode of Walleye Talk is brought to you in part by Muskie House Marine in Longville, Minnesota. If you're looking to get anything done on your boat to get ready for the open water season, whether that's mounting a new graph, dealing with an old bilge pump that doesn't work, maybe a good detail, it does not matter. They've got the text to do it. Stop in at the Muskie House Marine and talk to Nick or Tony about taking care of your rig. Pitch it. Or drift it. Those are the options. Those are the options. There's going to be so many that are just so straightforward, though. That's what I'm worried about. But I think I have one that's maybe not. Okay. All right? Yes. Uh, Winds are light and variable. You're fishing... Oh, man. But those are your options. Pitch it or drift it. Right. We're talking jigging. Right. Winds are light and variable. It's June 1st on Leech Lake. Um, partly cloudy day. Feels pretty fishy even though the winds are light and variable. It's just cloudy. Yep. A little humid. Yep. 
But you're you have struck out on your shallow water shoreline <gasps> stuff. Not going. Really? Not going. But you found a cluster of fish along a break line in seventeen feet of water. Seventeen feet of water for sure walleyes and like a pretty big school. Are you going to pitch it? Or are you going to we're gonna have to say pull it instead of drift it? Because it's light and variable. Well, are they so they're probably pretty pretty are they pretty confined or are they spread out? They're spread out over like like you're pretty pleased at how much because you know what you're looking for right. out there. You're looking for a little pot of them. Right. And it's not bad. It's okay. like a school of fish spread out on a break line, mm-hmm. not on a hump. On a break okay. line. Okay. Seventeen feet of water though. So the space is the issue. So I, I would enjoy pitching this if they were... Well, if they're grouped up, for sure, you're going to end up probably pitching. So maybe what I do is I drive it. I drive it down and maybe get a course. Right? I want to get... Uh, okay, here's a area where there's a, a quite a few fish. I'm going to look at my, on my imaging. Okay, from here to here is a good cluster. But they're not super tight. There's probably six fish in this... 30, 40 feet. And then there's, you know, another area where there's three. You're going to end up pulling this, for sure. Um, now, the deeper water, too, would scare me away from the pitching it. Um, so we're going to end up pulling it. For a couple reasons. Because of the how spread out they are and the depth. How spread out they are, the depth, and the lack of the wind. So we're going to end up pulling it half mile an hour into whatever wind is there. Um, half an hour into the wind that's there. Um, trying to find these individual fish from these schools. That's what you're going to have to do, I think. Um, yeah, in order to have, a, have yourself a day. Now, if it was in maybe 9 feet, I would think about pitching it. But the 17 feet of water is kind of a clear breaking point where... I think the biggest thing is you just end up with too much line out there when you give it a, even a three-quarter cast, let it sink to the bottom, and you're going to start you know, pulling it in. Um, it's just too much of a variable. You're going to have to sl- slim, that, slim those margins down, and that's the best way to do it is you know, you're going to eliminate your line retrieval, which is just another facet to get out of there. That is unnecessary. Sure. How do you feel? Good. I felt like I was trying to f- find a depth that would jam me up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's I great. I think 12 would have jammed me up. Oh, really? I think so. No. You would have for sure pitched it. See, like, you... I would have for sure pitched it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it would maybe jam up some walleye anglers, but you in particular, like, you would have for sure pitched I would have pitched that. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. I like that number. Maybe, like, 17. No, I, I maybe 14. No, yeah, 14 maybe would have jammed me up. No. Yeah, I would have, maybe. Uh, I know what break line I think you're talking about, too. Maybe it would have. The hard one with that one is, like, you've got a lot of other, a lot of other probably more effective tools. In In that time frame? Yeah. In that time frame and that depth. I was thinking that the, uh, what you could do, and I didn't think of it until, like, you were talking about it, but if they were kind of clustered, maybe what you're doing is you're pitching like from here to the wall. Right, spot, you're, spot. You find a. You're almost. But they're not clustered. 
you said they weren't clustered. Well, I said it was a good school. I was thinking, like, what I was trying to characterize was, like, a longer band of water than where you have to just, like, you know, like, the the fish aren't only in a spot the size of the boat. Right, okay, so you're finding fives and threes and sixes. Yeah. Oh, I wanted you excited about the number of fish. Well, you didn't convey that. Okay, sorry. It's okay. This is new for both of us. Right. This will be a hard one. Let me hit you with one. Okay, fine. We were going to only do one, but now I'm curious. Mm -hmm. I'm curious if you can jam me up or if it's just going to be like a light switch. Like, Mm -hmm. it's this or that. Seven miles an hour. Okay. It is blowing nearly, it's not quite perpendicular to the brake line. But nearly perpendicular. All right. These are good variables. Okay. Yep. The fish are scattered up and down this break, but they seem to be more on the deep edge. There are some fish shallow, though. Okay. You are not on Leech Lake, but it is still jigging in the middle season. Not on Leech Lake. Seven, how deep did you say? Well, they're, they're on just a break line. You, there's not really, so they're anywhere from, there's, there are fish up in seven, but most of these fish, you know, are spread out from 12 to probably 18, 19 feet. Oh boy. And the wind's seven miles an hour, almost perpendicular. Not perfectly perpendicular, almost perpendicular. We're going to have to rename this segment. Because, because what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to, pull it into the wind. wind. Yeah. See, that's a factor that we use far too often now. I'm gonna pull it into the wind in on like the the deeper edge of the break and then I'm I'm gonna pitch it. And I'm gonna have some lines dragging. Mm -hmm. I've said dragon like the animal a couple (laughs) times. Yeah. Yeah, how you're gonna fix your driveway. Or I should say somebody's gonna pitch it. Like a raw that I really trust is going to be a pitching. hammer. Mm-hmm. It's going to be pitching, and then we're going to have. It's probably going to be like the way I'm picturing it right now is the port side is near the shallow water. This is port, and the starboard side is near the. That's almost. Well, yeah, and the starboard side is near the deeper water. So whoever's stuck in the starboard seat here, they're going to drag. Right. And then uh, either the bow guy or. Your seat or me, we're going to pitch. Mm-hmm. And maybe maybe two of each. See, like we're breaking all the rules. Like, it's called pitch it or drift it. I'm going to pull it into the wind and two of us are going to pitch two of us. <laughs> <are gonna> drift. <laughs> well, it sounds like a pretty good solution to the problem, though. It, and I am, when I'm not on leech, like especially, I'm often surprised at um, how the deeper fish are sometimes more cooperative than the, than the shallower right. fish. It's not, that's not like a, oh, they're up there eating for sure. Like, um, sometimes those deeper fish are the ones that are going to Well, especially like woman lake. Right. Like those fish, like, you'll get a couple bites in shallower water, but the ones that are in like 16 to 19 or 14 to 19 are the ones that usually go. And they're usually nicer fish down there. Right. For some reason. Not not always, but I'm thinking about like late August and September. Those fish are usually nice and then they're though I think part of it is that they're mixed in with the smallmouth. And the walleyes that are gonna be mixed in with those smallmouth have to be like comfortable in their own mm-hmm. skin, you know, like get up here. 
Right. What are you doing here? You ain't got no teeth. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> What's going on here? We'll try it. We'll try a couple more. Pitch it or drift, drift it. Yeah. I mean, it's fun just to think about the scenarios. Yeah. The scenarios are what makes it fun. Right. I tried to make it tricky, but you had a really good answer. I liked it. I liked I liked the scenario. I you were going to catch him. There's no way we didn't catch him. I don't know if we caught him pitching or drifting. Wouldn't know. It well, depends. yes, you would have. You would have caught him pitching or drifting. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was going to be more clever than that, but we... Maybe we've got to, like, eliminate the guide situation and just do it, like... You are by yourself. You yeah. Get, you get eight casts or you get a five-minute drift. Ooh, oh! Curveball! Right. To catch one. Yeah, I can pitch it all the time. <laughs> always pitch it. <laughs> yeah, especially in a time crunch, right? Like Yeah, always be pitching. Yeah. It, if nothing else, it feels like you have more control. ABP, baby. Always be pitching. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's it, huh? I, I think that's it. That was good. All jigging stuff. Feels good to be talking about it. We'll be doing it in, in no time. It was very fun. Yeah. Um, we've got some holdover shirts from from last season that we're selling at a, a bit of a discount. So if you're interested in one of those. Uh, Parker had a pretty good post about it. How yeah. You, you, can either, you can either wear them or you can wipe your boat down with them, depending yeah. on your attitude. Mm, very versatile. <laughs> very versatile garments. That'd be great if we were selling shirts to guys like, God, I hate these dudes. God. I mean, that guy who gave us a bad review about <laughs> right. the vitamin B pills. He gonna, needs a shirt. He's going to buy our stock out. I'm sure he would be almost certainly wiping down a really dirty Skeeter. For sure. <laughs> Just gross. Just a like nasty. sat in the harbor far too long. God, probably got white claw juice everywhere. Oh, just sticky. Yeah. So if you need some nice boat rigs, hit us up. You want to know one of my favorite features of my new boat? Yeah. It has a hose. Oh, yeah, a washdown. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Have you used it? No. You I should... had to buy a new attachment, a new... Psst, psst. You should definitely try to water your garden with that thing. <laughs> Just be a great, a great visual. <laughs> Honey, I'm going to go water the garden. <laughs> well, with it being as wet as it is, I could drive the boat over to the garden. <laughs> Holy what? I almost had to drive, almost had to float the canoe into your driveway oh here. Oh my God. Poor delivery people. I feel real bad for them. But I don't know what else to do. It'll be fine. I'll take care of it. In a month, you won't even notice. Right. It's sad. I mean, I shouldn't even say anything about a dirty boat. I gotta drag this thing through a freaking swamp to get it out of the lake. You know, Dan, I've heard you say countless times, oh yeah, brown season is my favorite season. Yeah. Well, here it is. It's not my favorite. I just, if it's gonna be brown or white, I prefer brown. Fair. Fair. Okay. Alright, this is Walleye Talk. Uh, Thanks for listening. Uh, I'm Dan Ryan. I'm Will Neuer. We'll see you next week.